enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together and we talk about a different film from the horror genre, from your well-known classics down to that rare gem staring at you with those black eyes, like a <laughs> doll's eyes, in the back of your video store shelf. This week, because it's my birthday. We're going to be talking Happy birthday. About from 1975. It's Jaws. Uh, Tim, you afraid of sharks? Yes, I've, I, yes, I've had an encounter with one. Ooh. Um, I was in Florida on a place called uh, Hutchinson Island, which is barely an island. It's off the coast of Florida, so it is technically an island, but you can just drive there like over a long bridge. And um, was staying there. That I, th- I think actually that island is completely decimated. It got hit by a hurricane. But before that, I was there. It was my grandma's 80th birthday. She lived in in Florida, and uh, so I'm there. I'm I'm in the ocean, and. Um, staying at a hotel that's right on the ocean. So it's kind of that nice setup where you got the pool. And then like, if that's not enough for you, Oh, the ocean's right there. So it's it's really great and having fun kind of um, boogie boarding out there and everything on the, on the waves. Like I love body surfing just in general. And I had never, I think that was the first time I had ever boogie boarded before. Cause I just usually used to body surf, Sure, but um, that makes it even easier and more fun. So I'm out there and I am, uh, uh, I I'm there with somebody and that that person is facing in towards the shore, probably about 10 to 12 feet in front of me and kind of off to the side, but, but pretty close. I'm facing out toward the ocean because I'm looking for a good wave and, um, you know, to, to the next wave that I'm going to ride. And then I see this wave coming in. And it's it's doing that slow pull up where it's revealing and it's it's growing in height and darting right through the middle of that like an absolute goddamn laser is a hammerhead shark. I mean, clearly identifiable, probably seven to eight feet large, you know, medium sized to large hammerhead shark coming right towards the two of us. So I scream. There's a fucking hammerhead shark. I literally say those words. There's a fucking hammerhead shark. And I turn around and I start running for the shore, assuming that the person that I'm there with is going to do the exact same thing. I get within feet of the sand and I stop and turn around. And by the way, as I'm running through the well, swimming and kind of running. Sure. The, the the trajectory of that shark was coming straight at us and including myself so directly that every step that I'm running, I'm waiting for the teeth to latch yeah, onto my thud. leg. Yeah. Every single step. I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm expecting it. And um, I get, I get close to the sand close enough to where I can now finally stop and turn around that person that I was with 
heard me scream, there's a fucking hammerhead shark, turned around and saw it and was actually that much closer to the shark and literally went into shock. Oh. And froze. And they were yelling like, what do I do? I'm like, get out of the fucking water. Like, <laughs> like, let's start there. Get out. And I'm like, kind of like doing that, like kind of inching towards them to make it look right, like yeah. I'm, going I'm to making help. an effort here. <laughs> right. But um, so the, the, the person comes in, they, they are in legitimate shock, com- completely pale, um, kind of hyperventilating. Uh, I go up to somebody who, who had a shirt on the, their title, apparently their official title was beach master uh, was written on the back of their, their shirt. And I said, I said, there's sharks out there. And he's like, yeah, it's the ocean. And i like, he was kind of shitty. And I was, I was, I'm like, I, I felt like I almost was devoured by a, ma- a man eating shark, by the way, hammerheads are, will fucking kill you. Sure. And um, so I, I, I'm really upset and I want something done about it. And he's like, look, he's like, you just have to know what to look for. He's like, what happens is these the bait fish, I think they're called bait fish, start kind of jumping, like getting right towards the surface of the water. He said the birds, you'll see birds come down to eat the fish and then you'll see sharks come up to eat the birds. And I stood on the shore and I watched what he explained happen over and over just feet away from little kids swimming right there, right there in the ocean, just like. 15 feet past that, you see like, like the mouth come up out of the water and eat the bird. And I just couldn't believe you're watching sharks eat birds. That's not something that happens a lot. But no, well, maybe it was like a particular season. Okay, it was it was literally. Yeah, it was like a it was like a chain reaction. That's pretty awesome. The birds come down. You got to watch that. Yes. And you'd see the mouth just come up and just eat them. And so, yeah. So having I guess I had as much of a fear of sharks as anybody did. Sure. But but when you finally see one in coming at you in the ocean, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I can. I mean, I love sharks, but I haven't been with one. Uh, but if I if, if it's anything like my reaction to uh, before and after I had a bat in my room, like, <laughs> I'm going to be a wreck because I never had a thing about bats. And then just seeing one, I'm like, well, here's how it ends. <laughs> you know, the fucking thing about bats, too, is that it's like I don't it's like if you're going to be a bat. And you're going to and don't get me wrong, bats in pictures, in theory, I think they're really cool animals. Yep. Like I really I really kind of like how they're they're sort of nondescript as far as species go. And they're sort of related to a bunch of different animals. And that's fine. In pictures, they are neat. They I'm glad that bats exist in this world. Right. What I don't like is that they like to hide. They're not just going to be flying around your room like fucking crazy. They're going to be like in the curtains like kind of wrapped up in the curtains and then you go to open up your curtains and there's a fucking bat right there. <laughs> and I'll tell you where they're really bad. Wisconsin. They're, they're, they're everywhere in Wisconsin. And, oh. and uh, I knew somebody whose grandma just had, had it down. She had a football helmet and a tennis racket and a can of hairspray. It was so common. And that's just what she'd put on. Grandma would put on her football helmet, grab her tennis racket and her hairspray and just swat that fucker down and just blast it with that hairspray oh, and, and kill it. My God. Yeah. But I'm with you on that. Like, well, bats are great, but they're. You yeah. Know no. And I bet they'd make a great movie in something called Wings. But we're talking about <laughs> Sharks Jaws. Uh, uh, sharks, Tim. And we're talking about, we are Jaws. Talking about Sharks Jaws. Sharks Jaws. <laughs> 
Anyway, this is Jaws from 1975, written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, directed by a little Stevie Spielberg. Hey, I know that guy. You know, you've heard of him. Uh, and it's starring Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw. Had a budget of $9 million, a box office of, we're going to be generous, say $472 million. Wow. The first blockbuster. Yeah. Because the line would go around the block. That's ah, why they caught a blockbuster. And it busted it. Yep. Yeah. And they, they, uh, we, yeah, we had to bring in civil engineers, remake the sidewalks around theaters all over America. Yeah. This so, was like one of the first movies that had, like, also, like, because you think, well, how would, like, there were certainly huge movies before this, right? Like, how is Gone with the Wind not a blockbuster? But the way they released movies, was very gradual it used to be like it would it was like a you know you just didn't have the resources to send films out everywhere um but this was the first time where they were like we're just going to release it everywhere at once uh and we're going to just promote it nationally and it, it worked it's it's funny how that caught on too you're right it's it's like i heard it described as the first quote unquote event movie to yeah. where it's like, it's like, go. it's not just like, hey, what's playing at the movies tonight? We're just, we'll see whatever they're playing. It was like, this is a phenomenon and people are coming out and like, it's like, have you seen Jaws yet? Or blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, it was an event to go to it. And it's, do you remember how fucking cool it was? I, I hope that you experienced this in our local theater in the town that we both live in. Um <laughs> Do you remember it was, if That's I'm not mistaken, local. <laughs> well, yeah, it's you're local to something if you <laughs> in fact live there. Um, so it was, I believe, maybe one of the sequels to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they like lined the hallway, like going into oh. the theater with like the brown paper. Bossy. And, yeah. 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 Hell like, yeah. I remember that, dude. I'd forgotten about that until right now. You're right. Yeah. That's so they made that. it like a cave when you were yes. going to the theater. Yeah. So oh. here's the thing. Like p- people want that. They want, they like the event. They like the, the, the buzz. And you're right. This was the, this was the freaking first yeah. one. Well, and it's funny. I, there's another podcast. One of my favorite podcasts I listened to, they were talking about movies of like the mid seventies. They were just like, you know, jaws comes out. It's huge. They were like, Oh my God, we've never had a movie like this. That's done this What a monument. And then two years later, star Wars comes out and they're just, and everyone's like, okay, well, I guess we just do this every year now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> right. Like it was so yeah. quick. People were like, yes, once a year, everyone will just love one movie. And yeah, and and the summer is key to that. Like it's so funny. It's like one of those things. Like if you read a psychology textbook, you'll hear like basic psychology explained, and you're like, Well, yeah, that's just common sense. Like that's just it's, <laughs> it's like a it's like a, a sort of given, like a naturally existing in the world. Like, but somebody had to actually write it down in a book to to recognize that, right? right. To, to to actually come out and say it. It's kind of the same thing with this, like. How is that not obvious? You you make a really big, exciting, crowd pleasing movie, and you release it when most people are excited to go out and do something. You know, right. how the fuck did you not figure that out in 1974? Um, but uh, but they did in 75. Yeah, and and now I want to ask you something. Which is the year you were born? I was born the year after. So we've just never not known not blockbusters. It's it is yeah. it is a weird uh, <clears throat> concept to think that. 
movies used to just kind of come and go even ones that we still regard as you know amazing pieces of cinema and monumental pieces of art that probably you know just kind of like washed through your town accidentally for three weeks yeah (laughs) right yes (laughs) but you know you're but you're right though i mean like the you know i mean people will camp out to on this on the sidewalk to see a star wars but nobody's really is anybody camping out to see the godfather like (laughs) that's just kind of weird i mean i i mean i suppose i would like that might be fun but but it's funny about about that movie in particular as i was reading about jaws trying to figure out what the hell are we going to say about jaws for an hour that hasn't been said before but there's a lot i think we have a lot um one of those things is i kept seeing like these weird comparisons to the fucking godfather and i'm like what like really that coming yes oh but but they're right because like because of all of the summer blockbuster movies that jaws inspired that came after it we're sort of we sort of lump jaws in with that because it was it was the first right so yeah. now we're used to seeing these blockbusters and they're they're kind of formulaic and they they have a certain look to them but they're like if you look at the pacing if you look at the way that jaws is shot it has a lot more in common with the godfather than it does transformers oh, you know sure. what i mean yeah and um and like I was saying to you, you know, a couple of days ago, I really see Jaws as a bridge film from that great character driven, gritty cinema of the 70s going into that more smooth style of storytelling that we started seeing in the 80s. I, I see it as the beginning of that. Right. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is all done by Steven Spielberg. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much re- responsible for that. And, and, and he designed, and built and paved the bridge. <laughs> and it's John Williams, too, because, you know, like yeah. everybody knows. I mean, of course, we're going to talk about all this, but everybody knows about those, you know, the two notes, you know, with the music and everything, which I think is really interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that. But but there's also the other music in Jaws that's so funny. Like, it's so giddy and just celebratory. There's that one hilarious scene of Roy Scheider. Like, they're on the boat, and this is the climax, and they're hunting this shark, and they've seen it, and they know how big it is. But there's this one moment where, like, that John Williams music is just playing along, yeah. and you just see Scheider, like, smiling, and, like, the water is, like, running past him, and yeah. he's just... Got this side profile. Having the time of his life in that moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the music. I think that kind of um, listener friendly music adds to that, that sort of uh, storybookish way of, of presenting a film as opposed to like what came before. Cause like, like we've said before, when you watch the Godfather, masterpieces it may be it's like it it feels really raw and choppy yeah Um, and jaws i think was the beginning of that of that smoothing but still retaining that um that edge um one thing in particular uh just before we get to nan sums in case nobody knows what this movie is (laughs) about but uh i'll just say one technical thing really quick because i'm 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 excited about it um this movie makes really great use of medium shots and it's it, it, I know that you might say like distance between camera lens and subject is doesn't sound overly exciting, but it is because like 
those modern blockbusters that we've referenced that are happening now are so spoon fed. Like they're going to have these really unrealistic close ups and things like that. And it's just, it literally, it's just fucking handing you the movie. Yeah. Whereas Jaws is willing to just have a nice medium shot of its subject. Just you, we get to be more observers rather than having it thrown in our faces, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's so great that way. But, um, but I'm going to slow myself down because I know that the, I know that you love this movie. Yeah, I got nothing to say about this. I'm just gonna. <laughs> no, this is gonna be another lazy river episode for me. I know so no, you talk about Jaws. No, no, this is this so is the last I, half will be correcting everything that you've said. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me what happens in this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, here, Tim. Here's Nansom. There's a shark off the coast of Amity Island, and it's having a grand old time at the snack bar. New police chief, uh, new chief of police, Martin Brody, must fight local government and nature itself in order to save the new town he calls home. That's uh, that's all you need to know. Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. It's a man. Where do where do you start? It's a it's a layered, multifaceted tale about. You know, everyone is like, oh, uh, it's a shark movie. I mean, uh, they are fighting man through the first half of this movie. The shark is uh, not really an issue. He's not really a hurdle. Man is. Yeah. And I hope, listen, people at home, I hope you're ready for some uh, COVID metaphors because this movie's (laughs) dripping with them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly topical. As a populace as, warned of a, a natural disaster that's easily avoided. But for the mighty dollar, they put that aside. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, as, as I was even watching it, I knew I knew that you were going to go there. <laughs> and But I mean, it's super oh, yeah, relatable. I mean, I'm not it's, the first. It's, like, it's, it's not a stretch. Yeah, I saw so many Jaws memes over the last year, which are great. I mean, you know, it's just not hard to, to take the Mayor Vaughn in Jaws and... I think it's a lot more... I think it's a lot more applicable than, like, some of what I've read about, like, people thinking this is sort of a psychosexual phallic movie. Um, I mean, that oh, the, COVID th- the COVID thing's fits a lot better yeah that's just an unintentional hilarious kind of coincidence where you could draw a lot of parallels on just how people act in this movie and how they acted during a pandemic right sharks and uh viruses the same no absolutely not one's super cool and one sucks because i love sharks and i I was trying to think, and I don't know. I'm not really sure which came first, my love of sharks or the love of Jaws, or the if they just kind of happened mutually together. Um, because I'm I'm sure you. I mean, people at home can't see, but I mean, you can see here. I've got these shoes that are Jaws shoes on my back wall here, but also up here is a is a shark mask that I got in Carnival when I was in Italy. So nice, uh, yeah. I just love sharks, period. Yeah. Which Jaws is a very uh, bad shark movie, but it's an amazing movie. So it gets a pass on how poorly it presents sharks. 
Yeah, it's a it's a bad PR move for mm-hmm. sharks, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so where Peter Benchley has apologized and then dedicated his life to preserving sharks. Well, that's good. I, yeah. I like that. He's, he's making it right. Yeah. Um. No, it, it's interesting. And and I, I'm certainly not going to get away from the subject of, of sharks because it's it's an important one in this movie. But let me ask you this. I read somewhere somebody said that they felt like this was more of a water movie than a shark movie more in, in other words, more about the environment that humans would try to control, but can't and aren't native to, uh, and that the shark is just sort of like, is just kind of a means to drive the narrative. Sure. Oh yeah. I could see that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's going to get lost on your, typical blockbuster movie goer right they're not going to catch that subtlety like oh the shark is actually a you know a representative of a grander picture of untamed nature and the things that man itself cannot you know control meanwhile all those people have fallen asleep by the time you get to them (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) right um, but but it, it does it does open with water. It's just a nice water shot, which I think is kind of fun because everybody that that goes to the movie knows. I mean, they didn't try to hide the fact in the in the the press releases that the movie is about a shark, right? No. I mean, you knew that going in. So um, so the movie opens with uh, just kind of cruising through the water there, and and we're just sort of wondering what's going to happen here. Yeah, you get these really cool like aquatic pinging sounds mm-hmm. like i i'm not sure what's making that noise yeah because it doesn't sound like what i would know as like whale song or like even a dolphin or porpoise or whatever like their squeaks but it is this cool underwater yeah i, I can't do it i can't do it <laughs> we're also not going through this movie frame by frame no, no 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 i promise i won't <laughs> but i i do want to bring up just in 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 we, we've touched on this a little bit uh, in the past, but um, in, in kind of even in our, our opening, they're talking about like real life relations to sharks that this is what I think just to kind of put a fine point on the whole blockbuster thing, uh, because there is a really great movie here it, way far beyond the idea of a blockbuster or a concept of that. I mean, the movie itself is is wildly popular, but it's also like a super competent and well, you know, well-crafted film. Yeah. But to put a fine point on that, that blockbuster thing and the impact of it. Um, prior to 19, so the summer of 1975, how much did the average person even think about sharks? If you're in the middle of this country, if you're in farmland, as they call flyover, you know, USA, are you even like the the concept of a shark attack? And this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. Most people that hear this question are going to be like, no, no, everybody always knew that that sharks will fucking kill you and and uh, they can get really big and over 20 feet long. And and everybody knows that like, but no, prior to Jaws entering the psyche of the world, did anybody even really ponder shark attacks that much if they didn't live right. in a coastal area yeah probably not they were probably still hung up on like 20 20 000 leagues under whatever the last water movie they'd seen was where they're like actually the huge issue are giant squids <laughs> giant squids all over the ocean and it just takes the next one like wait wait sharks are the issue oh shit it's sharks i was wrong about the giant squids 
Yeah, you're right. Like (laughs) giant squids had their moment and then Jaws comes in and the squids are like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) Yeah, we're giants. Yes, it's in it's our name. (laughs) They don't I mean, great white shark. We're giant. But um, and giant will will a giant squid kill you? I mean, why could like would it it, would it see you out to eat you? They don't. I don't think they come up to the surface. Really, they're very rare. It's very rare to see a giant squid. Okay, like we've caught one, maybe two on film ever. So now let me ask you this question: You say you like sharks, um. And maybe this is further to the point of of the impact of Jaws on on our brains. But so like, you know, a great white shark can can bite you and eat you and kill you. But there are also it like wouldn't maybe, eat you, though. It wouldn't eat you. No, it does not like the taste of humans. Really? Yes. That's kind of one of the issues about this movies. Oh, they they do. They don't. I mean, is there, there a chance it would swallow? Yes. But is it it would. Normally, when a person is attacked by a great white shark, they are bitten, and then the shark's like, ooh, gross, and it's like, no thanks, and swims away. Oh, wow. They, they, you know, if there's a fatality, it's from however severe the bite was and a complication from it. Well, that's just insult to injury. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you didn't really? Yeah. Like, at least. At least let me tell people I was eaten by a shark, but no, I was spit out by a shark? Damn. This was all for nothing? (laughs) Like. Oh my God. But, um, but let me ask you this. So, okay. But we see these nature shows, right? Even about great whites, even about man eaters and, and these um, divers, these professional divers or, or scientists or whatever they may be are swimming with these sharks. Like the sharks are around and they got their camera out and everything. So is it, is it just that rare that that a shark would decide to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to fucking just come over there and bite your ass. Yes, like, it would is be it more common that you could just have some great whites swimming around and they're not going to bug you. Uh, yeah, I mean, great whites. That's I mean, it's still a danger. You still don't want to be bitten by one. Their jaws are very large and very powerful. Like, you know, a lot of people don't. Realize the pressure that comes with a shark bite, you know, I think the jaws of animals in general are, uh, take a lot of people back. I mean, we've got some powerful jaws, but that's what we know. But it's like, I feel like humans have some of the weakest jaws in the animal (laughs) kingdom. You know what I mean? No, that's like our PSI is for shit. Right. And, um, yeah, like either a bear or even like, um, what is it like, uh, not, not, uh, like hyenas have like historically strong jaws, like their neck is nothing but bugs, like bugs themselves have, uh, for their, you know, comparable to their size are bonkers. So a lot of that comes from that. There are like, uh, I forget why this, uh, why I started off on this tangent, but, uh, great white sharks, they're not gonna, they're going to bite you. They're going to spit you out. There are other sharks that will eat you, tiger sharks, which are brought up in Jaws. It, they are. That part's kind of true. They will just fucking eat anything. Tiger sharks are very dangerous. Like Mako sharks are very dangerous. There are sharks that will like, I'll eat you. But a great white shark, they don't know until they bite you, though. Right? Like. Right. Um, yeah, it's just sort of like, uh, you know. No harm, no, I'm like, well, not no harm, no foul, but like I didn't, it wasn't with bad intent, maybe. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, at the same time, you're in their environment. Like, yeah, no one, 
as as the guy told you like yeah there are sharks in the ocean like you can't be shocked when you see that happen so not to get too heady because i know that we've got a, a great movie here to talk about but let me just ask you that real quick because i think it is a really important concept for this movie like do you think that we do we have any place in swimming around in the ocean like is that is that something that that is sort of um that we're that we owe to ourselves to explore that? Or is there nothing wrong with saying, you know what, that's not really our world and we're just going to let what's in that world have it. And uh, we don't really need to be a part of that any more than we absolutely have to. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you mean like recreationally swimming? Like you can't get mad about, I guess you, I guess what I'm saying is you can't really get mad about, a shark attack like no. the idea in this movie where that where somebody is killed and they say we're going to go out and kill that thing we're going to go out and and have our revenge um you can't really feel that way right because right. what do you you're taking that risk if you go out there yeah no that i totally agree with yes it's like if you go camping out in the woods and leave your food all over the place don't be like well, why are there fucking bears everywhere you know yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, you have yeah, to under, okay. you have to understand these things are like a shark is it's such, you know, it's they say it in the movie and it sounds so basic, but it is just kind of one of those perfect natural engines. It has no critical thinking skills. It has its reacts. It lives its life on instinct and reaction. And that is it. And consumption and reproduction. And that's it. And it's a perfect killing machine, right? Like that, the like uh, the great white shark itself has essentially maintained that genetic code unchanged for millions of years. Yeah, which is mind blowing to think about. Yeah, don't they get bored? <laughs> <laughs> right, like. Yeah, what it does sound boring, but they have reached a part like what part of the great white shark do you improve that makes it a more effective predator? You know, yeah. I don't know what their courtship is like. I mean, that that's the other thing. They're very hard to study. So we don't know still a lot about the lifespan, the life cycle of shark. We know about the life cycle, I guess. But, you know, yeah, what's new with sharks? Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing new with sharks this week again. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, done. I'm 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 glad that that you can be such a huge fan of the movie, but also you know still respect yeah. the yeah. Let's get to sharks eating some fucking people because I'm all about that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, this so, one starts off with a doozy. One of the ever. best. One of my favorite on-screen kills ever. Poor Chrissy. I I watched it. Uh, I rewound it and I, I watched it probably five times. And it, it was pretty torturous to do that because it, it it's so, it, you know, you know what I think separates this kill on screen kill from a lot of others. I can't think of the right word for what I'm, I'm trying to say, but I, it's sadder. It's, it's kind of, it's really sad. It feels yeah. helpless. It feels yes. completely helpless and, and sad. And, um, and uh, it's, it's also terrifying because her um, whatever, however many minutes of, of screen time that she has there uh, conveys such a genuine horror that it's uh, 
boy, it, do, it doesn't feel like acting. It doesn't feel like a movie scene. It, it really feels um, so violent and uh, helpless yeah. is the best word. A couple of parts, just the way she's whipped around, which are just two dudes under her in scuba gear, kind of like shaking her around. But they seem so fast and go so far and pull yeah. so violently. They do an amazing job. There's nothing mechanical pulling her. No, it's just two dudes pulling That's her around. Crazy. Yeah. There wow. might be one, yes, when she gets brought over to the long, yeah. yeah, but the but the erraticness that is not mechanical. That's just two guys pulling at her. Wow. And of all the verbalizations that that she could that anybody could choose to say or or just would you know utter in that moment that everything is is god um oh, yeah the 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 uh the last one is god please help is is the are the last three words that she says um and uh it's i think that that's what makes it so full is that she's not calling for the police <laughs> she's not calling for her parents like she sort of instinctively knows I need the most almighty force that I can find because I think you might've even been the one to mention this when we were talking about it before. It's, it's, it's because she is being devoured by in essence, a God, like a God of that, of that area. Yeah. And there's no, there's not a, there's not a force that can match that. Um, that's why I, I really love the the sexiness of the term apex predator. Like that just <laughs> that just sounds badass. It does sound badass. But um, but yeah, it's almost kind of like nature is devouring her, and only something, you know, nothing, nothing man made yeah, could only save her. something supernatural could yes. save her from the natural. Right. Yeah. Which I listen, I don't falter for that. I would probably do that <laughs> in that situation because that looks brutal. Like the first like uh, I remember that scene, uh, you know, watching it back in college in the days when I first, you know, started dabbling with some green stuff. And that was one of those. Not not to mention, you know, the first moment was when my friends so kindly uh, showed the end of um easy writer to me repeatedly while high that was terrible but this scene itself was one of those where you have you have kind of that negative reaction uh from getting high because you're watching something so intense and so uh vicious and violent and uh, all you kind of want is uh to be cool and chill uh so that was uh, that was fun that was a fun time. That was the first time where you're like, oh, okay, there's a drawback to this. But that scene's that scene is just fucking intense, is yeah. essentially what I'm trying to get at. Uh, and it it really sets the tone for you know what they're up against or or what they think they're up against. Because as a shark lover, if you look at it from the other side of that, yes, on top of the water, there's this woman screaming and pleading to a, a god and her, you know. All her, she was with her friends. What what are they going to think? Her life is over underneath the surface. Just an animal eaten. Yeah. Well, and like and, it does. And, and like you having a sandwich. <laughs> right. Right. And it's the way that it's shot too. There's uh there's some interesting, um, whether this is, con you would consider this stretching it or not. I'm not sure, but remember it's 75. We're a good 
two, three years before any filming starts on Halloween. And yet we're, we see Spielberg using point of view, point of view of the shark. Like we see her, you know, treading water kind of almost as if we're seeing it through the eyes of, of the shark. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that sort of point of view film style of the killer would maybe even say that that maybe Spielberg is lending a little bit to uh, to the slasher genre. And and oh. is this is this movie in a, its own weird sort of way, a um, its own sort of natural slasher? Um, and because it's you didn't really you know, usually if you were going to see somebody kill somebody on screen, like in an old Dracula movie or whatever, you're going to see Dracula like going up to the person and biting their neck. You're not going to necessarily see like that person's neck, like zooming in on it. You know what I mean? That, that point of view shot. Um, But yet we, but but Spielberg uses it here. And I I think it's, I don't know if Carpenter was thinking about that when he put Halloween together, but it feels like a predecessor. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I had thought about that. I mean, there's, I wonder what the list of films is that you could go back and go was, you know, what, did Jaws influence what part of what film did Jaws influence, you know? <laughs> right. Um, not that it didn't have its own influences. Cause we were talking uh, the other day about a certain shot <laughs> where it's our, it's after our first kill. Now this is, uh, this is when little Alex Kittner gets it on the beach. Uh, Cause they think there's been a shark attack, but the mayor's like, don't uh, let's not rush any conclusions here. We're just going to keep the beaches open. It'll be fine. It's, it's summertime. We need, we need tourists. Uh, and so little Al Kittner is killed. Now, Chief Brody is already, you know, just obsessing over watching. And when this shark hits, we get that cool shot where you zoom in on the face, but you zoom out on your you know, your background, which creates this very cool shot. And it's called the vertigo shot or loosely called the vertigo shot. You were like, I, w- I wonder, was that the first time the movie that was used? I'm like, I, I think it was vertigo, the movie vertigo. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just, I thought it was just called that because of the, like, un like the sort of unsettling. Yeah. Unfair. The effect it gives like, you. Yeah. Which no, it actually might. Like, as soon as I said that, I was like, well, is it? Uh, maybe not. And I think it has to be though. Did they do that by, isn't it that they'll, they have the, ze- the, the lens zoom, but they have the dolly pull out that, that uh, the camera, no, is- you, you move the camera physically forward, but you zoom out with the lens while you do it. Oh, that, okay. So, so your background yeah. is pulling back, but your focus essentially stays the same size yeah oh as you're getting closer it's the the lens is trying to pull back so you're compensating the whole time while your background gets much farther behind you right and i guess you could do it the opposite way i don't know if you walked backwards while zooming in i don't know what that would look like would that look be geniuses yeah oh shit did i just invent a whole technique (laughs) well i think i said it first but yeah i mean yeah partnership but (laughs) no but um so about that about that death about that death i'm going to ask you a this is actually a fun ass question because it's simple do you think this movie should be rated pg i'm leading into that alex kittner death well i mean i mean i it should be rated pg-13 but it didn't exist so between pg and r yeah yeah 
You're, Although you're more, I mean it's hard. That's why that PG thirteen rating is out out now because goddamn, it is surprising. This is PG. I'm always shocked that but it's PG. We love violence and hate swearing as an American culture, and there's not <laughs> there's no swearing, there's no nudity. It's just violence. It's just blood, really. There's no gun violence. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just they people get getting as, bitten. They get as close as they can to nudity with that first kill, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there might be a little. There's slow side action. They snuck some nudity in there. Yeah. But um, I I just think that I think that to to be without being like graphic, I think it's just that actress's proportions that there would be really tough to hide it. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but yeah, so Alex Kittner, the boy dies. And I I enjoyed this. Like part of my whole experience with us covering this movie was it had been a couple of years since I had seen it, even though everybody I do the same thing that everybody does, where at least three, four times a year you turn on, you know, cable television and they're on the boat and getting ready to kill the shark and you catch it somewhere in like the last act of the movie. Yeah. Um, but uh you, you never really turn it on and it's in the beginning. That just never happens. But um I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and I'm like I, I really I'm excited to watch this with a pair of fresh eyes. And I had really forgotten how graphic that that Alex Kittner death is. I, I didn't remember a big like vomiting up out of the sea of this like chunky, like red water and blood. Just yeah. blah, it's like it's, a mountain a fountain at the mall. It is. Like, and you see his face like his, he, you know, his kind of his head goes back and he's, you know, you know that he's being eaten. That's always I mean, not to get off track here, but that's a drag down image is like he's noodle arming while like, yeah, (laughs) that's a perfect imitation of that sound, (laughs) by the way. But, you know, that's always the creepy these movies, not to like amp up the creepy factor here. But when you see the kill happening above water, there's nothing wrong with just admitting that it's just a human thing to wonder, like, what what exactly is happening under there right now? Like what, what part of them does he have? Uh-huh. Um, you know, like what is there, are their legs gone or is the lower half of their torso gone now? Like, I mean, it's just, there's so much mystery there that it almost makes it more painful to watch than to like, just see what's happening bad. So I can wrap my mind around it, but right. to not have it spoon fed makes it that much more terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, and you're and you see it from such a distance. Like some of the close-ups we get are of angles where you still can't see much. But yeah, the the uh, affair that you're watching is from so far, and you already feel helpless. Like you cannot stop what's happening. Uh, quick, quick story because the a, a lot of people point out uh, because little Alex Kittner went out on the raft uh, reluctantly, was allowed to do so by his mom. Mrs. Kittner, who, if you watch this movie, you're like, she's supposed to be this little boy's mother because she looks like she's 58 years old. <laughs> yes. Um, she is not. She is 40 years old in this scene, which would put her at a reasonable age to have a child the age of Alex. So that's that's just kind of crazy in itself that she was that young, because then the only other time you see her in the movie is after Alex's funeral. And she is with a guy who is one hundred and ten, maybe. <laughs> so she still looks old now with this guy. And she's got the black veil like she just looks dour and old anyway. So that's just kind of funny. Like she's young. Yeah. Here's a great, cool story. So uh, her name is Lee Fierro, I believe. and. um 
you know, a lot of the people who were in this movie were just residents of the East Coast and they answered casting calls like they were not. A lot of these people were not actors. This is Steven Spielberg's second movie. We haven't really covered. I don't feel like we need to cover a lot of that. But, you know, this is, you know, at the time, a small movie like not, uh, you know, they were able to get some good actors for it in their lead roles. But everyone else involved as far as the acting wise, not a lot of locals, a lot of locals. Yeah. Um. So that, you know, she answered the ad and this kid, Jeffrey Voorhees, he gets cast as her son. And they do the same. So this is like, she's like 75 years old now. So this is around like the year 2000 ish. She's in this town. I think it's called the Edgar town, Massachusetts. I might be a little wrong on the town name, but I think it's that. Uh, and there's a seafood restaurant there. Can't remember the name of the seafood restaurant. She goes in and she, you know, is looking at the menu and there's a sandwich on there and it's called the Alex Kittner. And so she's like, oh, when the waitress comes over, she's like, this is great. Actually, I was actually in Jaws and I played Mrs. Kittner. Isn't that cool? And the manager overhears her and comes over. And now I've read a couple versions of this and there is a, and this is probably the more real one. And I'd have to get all the quotes right. But it's a very sweet like, oh, hi, I once had uh, a mother from the East Coast, you know, and it was like this playful banter of they both kind of knew who each other were. Because as it turns out, the uh, uh, manager of the restaurant was Jeffrey Voorhees. And this was the first time they had seen each other since filming Wrapped. So that's that's very cool. But they have this they had this very nice uh, exchange of. Without just saying, hi, it's me, Jeffrey. I was Alex, you know, like, you know, my mother uh, used to let me play in the ocean, you know, things like that. (laughs) So it was a super adorable story. And then she just uh, unfortunately passed away a a year or two ago. So, yeah, Ripley Fiero. But this is Kittner. She got to slap Roy Shatter. Yeah. She was supposed to spit on the shark in that scene because she comes and confronts Chief Brody that he knew there was a shark in the area. And still let people go swimming and now her son is dead and she's supposed to spit at the shark that they've caught this tiger shark but instead she got to slap him which is way, was way better oh yeah and you know in that particular scene where she does confront uh brody and i'm telling you as viewers we're we're all standing on that beach mm-hmm. like it all we all you when you're watching that scene she's just so heartbroken and so angry and everybody just because there, there was so much like hullabaloo with all these fishermen out there trying to catch a shark and it's been like kind of a loud scene leading up to this and then when she comes up there and she's still in her you know morning outfit and dressed in all black with the veil and everything and uh it, it, it is it's like when you're like in class or something and somebody's getting yelled at and everybody just kind of freezes and is quiet that's what watching this yes. scene, even in your living room feels like like Oh shit. Like this, this poor woman. Um, and she, she gives her, and you're right. She does look really old for the part, <laughs> but she also just brings it in that scene. And you're like, you believe like that is, that is a grieving mother and she is mad and she feels robbed. And it's, um, it's a really great moment. It's, 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 it's probably maybe not talked about is one of the more impactful scenes of, of the movie, but I think it's right up there with them. You know, that, you know, my son's dead. I wanted you to know that. Like, yeah, that cuts. Yeah, that cuts deep. And and Brody knows it. 
Like, I mean, he, yeah. he feels terrible and, and he, he did, his heart was in the right place, but at the same time, he's, it's not like he's going to stand there and argue with her. I mean, he knows, like, I just have to let this woman say what she has to say, yeah. you know? Well, and then in Spielberg brilliance, he then go, you know, his next scene is then a scene with his kid, like yeah, him, like enjoying the youthfulness of his child. Right. Yeah. I really, really and and I really think that you know kind of leads up to to what I I wanted to make sure that I I said about this is that in without having watched it for a couple of years and and rewatching it again it resolidified how great Roy Scheider is in this and I know that he doesn't get to have that great uh, USS Indianapolis monologue and I know that he doesn't get to have the sort of like kind of like earned arrogance that. Uh, that uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character has. And, you know, he kind of has to play the straight man out of the three of them. Yeah. But, um, and, and shown in no more of a, a, not in a more pathetic way than the scene when they're talking about their scars and he lifts up his shirt and looks down at like, probably like an appendectomy or something. Just kind of so. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring this one. (laughs) Just an adorable little moment there. But um, but he is so good in this movie and he's um, he's not over the top. And I think that they were I read somewhere that they were worried that he was going to be a little too tough for the role because they knew him from like, uh, I think it was the French Connection. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they were a little concerned about that, but he. He's got a very expressive face. Um, we have a mutual friend that's an actor that actually, even though he's compared to a different actor, always reminds me more of Roy Scheider, um, this mutual actor friend of ours. And uh, I mean, just it's a face that just like wears a lot of it's just a lot of look in his face. Yeah. There's no there's no right way to say it. It's got it's just it carries a lot of um of of kind of strength, but at the same time, like it's not like he looks tired. He just looks like uh, like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders in this moment, in this movie. He does. Yeah. And he, he wears that sort of um, tiredness and exhaustion and and helplessness very well without without overdoing it. He's and I think it helps great. that he's new there. Like it's um, it's his first summer on this island and he already has to deal with this huge crisis. Like if you have a guy who's been around and is probably chummy with, you know, the local government and things like that. We have a very different movie. Yeah. But I think it's because he's a guy who's new and wants needs to prove himself and prove himself to this community is why he works so hard to. And the irony of, of him, and they don't dwell on this too much. You kind of have to listen to, to really hear it or to really pick up on it. But in essence, it's he moved his family here. He, t- he took this job to get away from the violence of of the inner city in New York City. And so, like, is in his mind, it's like, holy shit, I'm getting out of the city. We're going to this island and, and uh, nothing ever happens here. And I, I think they really drive that point home with sort of like the. Um, like the harmless silliness of the crimes that people are trying oh, to report yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's, that's two what normally... times it gets bought up about the, the kids from the karate class. Yeah. They're, they're ruining they're... the fences, you know? Yeah. And they keep repeating that it's like seven and eight year olds or eight, nine year olds. <laughs> yeah. Karate chopping these fences. And that's the other thing too. Like it's a stylistic choice, but, but don't think that this stuff isn't thought through. Like they go and I've never been to Martha's vineyard. I'm, 
I'm sure it probably does look like this just naturally, but they go out of their way to show all of the white picket fences that you could ever hope to <laughs> to see. And we all know that a white picket fence in, in this country represents that sort of like, like, ah, the American dream, like I've achieved it. I can relax now. Like this is right. This is the dream. That's the end goal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's set up nicely, but it doesn't overdo and it. How dare something come and disrupt my way of life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's, 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 uh, you know, when it happens to us, then it's shitty, but right. you know, if it's the other guy. <laughs> Yeah. When we're the ones that do it, it's like, well, geez, we're just trying to, you know, make some money and have our summer here. Um, the, the one thing that I thought was kind of really interesting, I'm not really 100 percent sure if I buy into this uh, all the way, but I read somewhere that somebody attributed the um, speaking of the the summer and the, the setting and the white picket fences. Somebody attributed the success of this movie to not only the timing of it coming out in summer. But that part of the theme of the movie itself, aside from the shark things, is um, vacation, beaches, summertime, fun, you know, yeah. getting away. So even if you're not somebody that that had the luxury or ability to get away to to vacation, they do fit in that scene. Some people say it's kind of bloated and unnecessary. I, I, I disagree with that. But we do get kind of like a little montage, happy John Williams music scene with um, all of these people coming to the island to enjoy their summer vacation. Yeah. And that it was. It, they felt it is like the 4th of July, though. I mean, it's a huge holiday yeah. weekend. Well, that's it's true. Not, yeah. If they were just like this, like this town is just fucking pumping tourists in day and night. Yeah. Then it would be a little unrealistic. But, but when you have that's what makes it cool is like it's the threat of ruining. It's the you know, they, they've got all their eggs in one basket. Like this particular day is huge for us. And we got to roll the dice. Maybe someone dies, but at least the local businesses make some money. Right. COVID. Well, and, and that's, you know, something along with that, with those local businesses, then you talking about some of the extras being, uh, or like the smaller speaking roles uh, being people that are from the area. I thought, I thought that was really well handled. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of that, the, the sort of smaller speaking roles, maybe the acting is a little stiff. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's not terrible, but well, I mean, this is a movie where the fourth lead is, you know, you, you could say is, uh, Elaine Brody, who is like the wife of one of the Hollywood, like the studio heads. So oh, yeah, really? all the acting is going to be kind of stiff. Yeah. Like yeah. your fourth lead was, is just in there because of nepotism. And <laughs> then it's a steep drop off after that as far as talent goes <laughs> well i shouldn't say that about larry vaughn i can't remember his uh, uh murray shit that guy's a good actor i shouldn't yeah. say that but yes of the top five one of them is there just because her husband runs the studio yeah she's and, in two movies jaws and jaws two and well then jaws four yeah and um but but i will say though even if the acting is a little bit stiff there's also something sort of, um, and this sounds completely contradictory, but there's also something sort of just like believable and kind of natural about this. Like when people are complaining about, you know, they're, nobody's going to come to their hotels and this, that, and the other, like those just seem like really genuine exchanges. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of the acting and I mean, especially with the, the, the principles, um, 
man, it's, it's some beautiful naturalistic acting in this. It, it really is. Um, and uh, yeah, the it, townsfolk, especially in the scene um, after the Kittner kill has happened and the town's now getting together to, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to close the beaches or whatnot? There are some real colorful characters in there. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that's what had me on this, this most recent viewing. I probably, the biggest thing that I took away is that how much I really enjoyed the first half of this movie, because while you could probably split it into three acts, as far as like their introduction and then, you know, people trying to figure out a solution to how, what they're going to do with the shark and then the actual hunting of the shark. To, to me, it's it's probably easier just to split it in, in two. I mean, there's there's before we get on the boat and, and after we get on the boat. It's right. really the two main halves. But I really, really, really enjoyed the first half. And a huge part of that is how much I, I really was entertained by Richard Dreyfuss's performance uh, watching it this time around. Um like we've said, you and I have said before, little little confusing how many times they reference him as a young man because he certainly doesn't look. Richard Dreyfus was twenty seven when he made this movie, I think twenty seven or twenty eight. Yeah, he certainly looks older than that. Um, but so that kind of throws you a little bit. But once you get past- and relative, I mean, he's relatively new in this movie too. Like he'd only been in a couple things, I think. Like, yeah, he took the movie for a quick paycheck because he was convinced that the movie that he had just done was going to be that his performance was going to be panned so badly <laughs> that he took this so he could make some money before nobody would hire him again. <laughs> Literally. And then that movie came out. I can't remember the name of it, but the movie, it's like something Dudley Kravitz. Oh, or the something. apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. Yeah. So it ended up, he was, he was lauded for his performance in that. So it was the exact opposite, but thank God he did uh, uh, do, do the part because he brings a real, uh, I guess the best word is like earnestness. Like he is, you believe that he's passionate about uh, what he is passionate about. You really see it in that autopsy scene, or or at least when he's examining the remains of the first victim. And um, he's doing two things really great at the same time. He's trying not to react to the fact that there is a horribly mangled portion of the human body right in front of him. But he's, we, this is also where we get like the nice, like scientific speak and whether yeah. any of the words he's saying are real or not, I don't know. I don't know enough about sharks or, or micro or marine biology to, to know that by a minor squalus or another caucus. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that's the right thing, but, I, but yeah. either way it sounds good. And, um, and there's, there's an authenticity is probably the best word that, that scene where we, okay, now an expert is here and he's examining the body and he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying big scientific words that gives, gives um, some like a like reassurance to us as audience um, as the audience to be like, wow, this is, this is cool. This is interesting. Yeah. You know? And he maintains a professionalism until he can't anymore because it's like, they call him in. Cause they're like, Hey, we're not sure if what we've got is a shark attack. Will you check for us? And then he's like, show me the body. And they literally bring out like a little, like two liter Tupperware tray that yeah. the fucking rest of the body is in. And already he's, you know, it's one of those where, you know, you could like pull a guy over who's been swerving all over and is like, sorry, you know, he's obviously drunk, but they're going to like keep him there for a half hour. You know, like they know immediately, but they have like protocol they got to go through in order to make sure this guy really is drunk driving. 
Right. I've been watching a lot of like uh, 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 cam footage of drunk drivers. It's hilarious. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's um. But you're right. It's it's kind of. I mean, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's it's engaging to see uh, Hooper have to to see that. And it, it kind of reminded me when I was watching. It reminded me of something that my my dad said one time. My dad was uh, uh at one time a volunteer fireman and an EMT at the same time. And one time he said, in kind of like a really ominous way, he's like, "You would not believe." the things that can happen to the human body, like after seeing car accidents and suicide by shotgun and all this sort of thing that he had to see. Um, like it's it, it, when he said it, it was almost like it was chilling for him. Cause obviously he has the memories. I, I didn't see what he saw thankfully, but um, yeah, it's like, you can just imagine Hooper in that moment looking at what, I mean, what would we guess? It's pretty much from like her chest up. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's and, one part where he just essentially picks up her forearm like, right. and, that, and the bottom of that's missing. Like, yeah. So he did. But yeah, I, mean, yeah, I can he, only imagine what's in there. But yeah, he really he he just sells it. It's kind of like, I don't know, that's that's where the movie really gets cooking. I mean, it, it, it gets cooking when she gets eaten, too. But I love I mean, the I love that coroner. If I can tangent a little bit. Yeah. Um, the coroner has like two very small bits, but even the way that guy is written shows uh, what type of person he is because the first time we see him and i love this dynamic uh because our you know chris our first murders happened and brody's like okay we're gonna close down the beaches just to be safe and so the mayor and like the uh, reporter and the coroner track down chief brody and this is where the mayor's like look we're not gonna you know we're not gonna rush to judgment here you know it could have been a boat propeller and you know brody's like well we didn't say it was a bro propeller. And so like the mayor's like turns to the corner, like, Hey, confirm me. And, you know, in the corner is just kind of this sniveling kind of not, not sniveling, but it sounds weak where he's like, Oh yes. Uh, you know, he's even adjusting his glasses. So he's kind of fiddling around like, uh, yes, a boat. Pro- yeah. It could have been a boat propeller. Sure. Because he's under the fucking mayor. And then sure. as soon as Brody challenges him, like, are you you'll stand by that but because he's above brody or probably has seniority all of a sudden he's super confident like yeah i will i will stand by that and then to have fucking matt hooper just blatantly be like this is no fucking boat propeller and watching that guy like just shrivel away at just like the realization of what a weak ass coward he is and having this young dude who's not from here who has no status in this town just fucking shrink him yeah chef's kiss i love it you're right because i've seen this movie a few times i got some i got some (laughs) insights no, you're right though. I remember I remember one time I was in a van and it was a, a mutual acting teacher of ours. Uh, we, were, we went on a, a trip for a, a college acting competition. And it, it, she said something to the effect of, she was talking about how um, somebody played, like she saw a show one time and then she saw it again and how the person played it differently and all that stuff, which makes obvious sense to me now. But as, as a younger actor, I'm like, well, how could it really be played differently? I mean, it's the same text. It's the same show. Like, don't you just play it that way? But what my point is, is it's Dreyfus's decision to infuse essentially anger 
in that scene, like, like, like you just said, like, this was no boating accident. Like he's not just like, it's not like he's examining it, is examining the body, like kind of talking more to himself, like, Oh, this was no boating accident. You know, that, <laughs> right. that, that would suck. Right. Yeah. It's that he's pissed and he's like, you fucking idiots. Like that's not yeah. what this is. You've got a problem here. Right. It's and not that, a game where, you know, right. And that is um, that, that intensity, that scene for me is the first it's, it really draws me in for the rest of the film. I love it. Yeah. And that's it. That's all we have to talk about. <laughs> we have been over an hour already. I can't. Oh, are you it. serious? Yeah. Oh boy. We okay. just add an hour, but that's fine. You know, if we went an hour and a half on the final girls, buckle up everyone. Right. No, we won't. We won't drag it out. Cause there's, you know, what a, I got like fun tidbits and stories, but Jesus, like this movie is incredible. But again, I can't offer new stuff to people. All they can do is tell you the things I know. Well, let, let me uh, let me just jump in with something because it's something I've heard you talk about before uh, when I was referencing how kind of crappy the some of the uh, the audio quality is of 70s cinema. Yeah. And how great it is in this movie. Like we talked a little bit about the music. What I really like about those two notes, um, what I really like about those notes is that uh, John Williams uh, spoke to it as um, respiration and that it is mimicking the like inhale, exhale, that, 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 Mm. And then as it gets faster, dun, 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 it's like breathing faster, now hyperventilating. So it, it's it's nothing that is obvious, but, you know, as a composer, that was his inspiration. And it reminded me of a show that I watched about this famous uh, bear attack, actually bear attacks that happened. Uh, they call it Night of the Grizzlies, but it was where two separate people were killed by two separate bears on the same night in, um, uh, uh, I think it was Yellowstone National Park or no Glacier National Park. And uh, one of the the people that survived was talking about because the bear was on top of him and it wasn't the weight of the bear. It wasn't like the saliva or the smell or anything. He said the most terrifying thing was his deep respiration. Just hearing that breath that like just just inches above his head. Right. So. The idea of breath, you know, the the essence of life or death, for that matter, Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie like that, I really I think that was a really neat choice. And and the fact that when Spielberg first heard it, he's like, you're kidding, right? Right. What's the real one? (laughs) Um, And it's like, how much are you getting paid for this? Like two notes. Um, But I really like that. But my he's like, no, here's the fun boat part. And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Scheider just suddenly somewhere just starts looking up and smiling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what my favorite sound in this whole damn movie, and I can hear it as clear as I'm as if I was watching it right now. It's when they are, I believe it's the first tick of the line, the, oh, the tick of fishing, fishing line. Yeah. And it's just, it's just subtle and it's just its own little, its own little kind of creepy. It's a small sound, but you kind of know what it means. Yeah. And it's so gradual. Well, the fact that Quint stops everything, like everyone else is still doing their Disney work, but the guy who knows has stopped. And now we're like, why is this guy stopped? 
Right. What's he I, know? Yeah. Scheider is over here, like happily trying to like <laughs> tie a knot for the first time. And here's Quint, like slowly putting on his harness, like right. ready. Yeah. Like, like not letting just, anyone know, like we might die right here. Yeah. I could be <laughs> dragged off the boat. Yeah. Not no better explanation of like inexperience versus experience, you know? So right. yeah, it's, it's great. But, um, but speaking of Quint, how about that guy? Oh boy. <laughs> how about like, that? That's guy? a guy like Robert Shaw is an actor who I, I still feel like I have not seen a lot of his work. Although I love, I love him in this. I've seen like the sting and I know he was in a James Bond movie that I'm not even sure I saw that one, but, and I saw, um, there's like an old one where he was a king uh, that I had to watch for school. A man mm. for a man for all seasons. That's what it is. He oh, plays okay. like King Henry the eighth or something like that. Uh, that part could be wrong, but I know it's called a man for all seasons, but yeah, I've seen three Robert Shaw movies four tops, uh, but Which he's like your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the sting. It's incredible. No, uh, of course it's this. I mean, he, this is, I mean, you know, there's a reason for that anyone could only tell you this role. I mean, you know, you find me someone who could tell you five Robert Shaw movies, please. Right, right. No, it's true. He's your grandfather. He's 98. He's the one. Yeah, no, right. I mean, it's, 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 it's a name and it's, he's, he made such an impression with this role that it feels like, well, I've, I probably know 10 Robert Shaw movies. Like, isn't he a famous actor? But <laughs> right. Right. I, 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 I guess I've seen this thing. I it's think. like Yul Brenner. Like, oh, of course, Yul Brenner. Yeah. Hollywood legend Yul Brenner. Right. Who was in two movies, I think. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. That I could tell you about anyhow. Yeah. Right. If I could do that even. Was he in Dr. Zhivago? I know King and I, and maybe Dr. Zhivago, but I could be wrong about that. I know the King and I. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, that's his it. jaws. Cause that's his jaws. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, this, uh, here's this guy. Now the, the it, it's pretty well known that they were going after Charlton Heston for this, which thank God he didn't oh. take it. Um, so that, that would have been just garbage, but, uh, they they did also. I mean, Robert Duvall could have done something with it. I'm glad that it is Robert Shaw, but Robert Duvall was up for it. Um, I think there was one other guy that sounded halfway decent. But um, interesting thing, you and I always talk about accents. Um, Robert Shaw, I wouldn't change a, a pitch or a tone of of anything that he uses to speak in this movie. Um, but I also don't know what the heck accent he's doing. Um, it, it's a little bit broguish, a little uh-huh. bit uh, New England. Um, it's it, 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 which is to say, I mean, that could happen. Yeah, it, you don't get a happen. lot of background on the guy. I mean, the guy could have been from all over. It's it's possible to have always been a fisherman and grow up in several international communities. Yes. So whatever he's doing is working for me. So um, and that intro scene that we get to him where we hear the the nails on a chalkboard um, before he kind of launches into his thing. Um, a little over the top, a little, over the top. but you know what? I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, the, yeah. would, would that ever happen? No, like, no. Could- 
But it's unless cool. you really know the technique of how to drag your nails <laughs> down a chalkboard, and that might have been far more prevalent a skill in 1975. Yeah. Oh, true. 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 Because we just, you know, we're on the tail end of the chalkboard. Yeah, you can't really effectively drag your nails across a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> yeah. No. Stop everybody. Just slide right this. down the dry erase board. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might even like sound like calming to someone. Right. You know? These days, kids probably have an app on their phone. <laughs> yeah, that plays chalk chalkboard scratches. Yeah, it's it's all we do all day is run our nails down things, and it's completely <laughs> silent. Um, yeah, we've lost that as a as a species. But um, but no, like he's he's got that great yeah, effective intro. Yes, uh, effective intro, and then it it never slows down from there. And you know, I don't know. <sighs> Does he ham it a little bit when they're getting ready to head out? And, he, and he's just I don't think so, though, because he, think about this as this character. It's a very solitary guy. Right. That's part of the character. So this is probably maybe the first time in his life that there's been any sort of like people around him or excitement around him. That, <laughs> right. that like he's kind of a big deal other than because they don't go a whole lot into like class warfare in this movie. But but you can sense that oh, there's a little enough bit. of it. Yeah. And um, and so he's probably like, holy shit, like I'm for the first time in my life. People well, wait, are, are you attention. talking about like when they first go and meet him or like when they're at when the boat's actually leaving, when they're getting ready to leave? Because oh. he's he's really he's really joyful, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. He's, but I he's, think he, so you're saying like when the boat's leaving, like they're not the first time when they go to like talk to him about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. It's when. Yeah. No, yeah. See that he's doing that all on purpose to freak Brody's wife out. He is a huge asshole. Yeah. Quint is a terrible person. And he is just <laughs> trolling uh Brody's wife. Yeah. Because he knows how concerned he does not want these people with he he is not excited about people being with. Oh, him. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That he it's almost more like he's uh he's it's more of like a defense mechanism, like he's driving them away on purpose. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. No, that makes that actually makes way more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I see. And so that. yeah, and so this woman he doesn't even know, like, you know, he's just being I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe I'm trying to find a hot take that's not maybe there. He just, maybe he just thinks that that's really for what they're about to do. It's no, no, quote unquote, no place for a woman or something like that. You that know, could be. Um, but uh, no, I could see that. Um, but yeah, he he's got this amazing intensity. And it's where we really start to get that nice dynamic between Hooper and uh, and Quint, where there's there's animosity there. It's one of my more, I kind of forget about this aspect of the movie, but I really enjoy it when it happens. Quince, like the closest thing that he comes to, to a sort of open-mindedness when he finally relents and asks Hooper, you know, what his equipment can do or if he has any ideas. I really like that part because up until then, it's just animosity out the ass. Yeah. But it's fun. It's, it, it, you know, it, it creates a nice tension at times. It's also funny at times. Um, and, uh, and Scheider's just kind of playing that, that straight man, you know, between the two of them. Yeah. But if it, you got like a Netflix show of Quentin Hooper, like, That'd be a dynamic I would watch in like yeah. a 10 episode arc about right. guys just hanging like and who's got a fish together. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like some scene that maybe they have to like 
ride a horse together on the same horse and they're like arguing <laughs> back and forth the whole time as you see them in like a, a distant shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, but, uh, but no, so you're taking them out of the water. You're like, yeah, they're having mountain got, well, adventures. I mean, yeah. and we've been renewed for six seasons now. We got to <laughs> do something with it. Uh, it's a hit, but um, so <laughs> they get out on that boat and, um, <laughs> and uh it's it kind of becomes a whole different movie. And I think what I was was really impressed with uh, is just how well everything holds up with. Um, I don't know. It, we've seen that as viewers, we've seen this movie so many times. It just kind of seems like a given. But think about it like it's a boat. It's a it's a boat, a solitary boat in the middle of the water. Like how much can you really do with the, the, your camera work there? But he it creates its its own world within that environment. And everybody knows the thing about Spielberg didn't want to show any land because that would make people feel safer. He mm -hmm. wanted them to feel isolated. Um, so, yeah, it, everybody knows that part. But really, that boat part, if you just take it from when they go out on the Orca, that could be its own short film standalone by itself. I mean, if it, it really is that fucking solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're just presented with there's a shark and these guys are going to hunt it like. Yeah. Yeah. It, that in itself could be its own film. So speaking of uh, of that section of the movie, um, there's a scene. <laughs> there's a scene in that part in the second half of this movie where someone gives a what's called a monologue. And uh, it's Quint and it's Robert Shaw playing Quint. And he's telling the story of the USS Indianapolis, which here's another thing, kind of like my same thing about did anybody in Kansas give a shit about shark attacks before 1975? Did anybody know about the Indianapolis uh, before Jaws? Right. Um, I imagine veterans do, of course, but uh, I, it's certainly where I learned about it. Um, and uh, it's uh, I think it's very affecting because it is. Yeah, because Brody doesn't know what it is. Like he's like, well, it's a yeah. uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And um, so it's it's a kind of history lesson, but it's told with such an intensity that um, it really is chilling. In fact, um, Dreyfus, who actually in in real life didn't always get along with Robert Shaw um, at, during filming, uh, despite that those disagreements, is still willing to say that it's like the the most chilling and a, and a, and just amazing experience he's ever had on a set in his life is yeah. listening to him do that monologue well because he did the, they they did a day of it they essentially filmed for a day him doing that monologue and uh i don't know if anyone knows this robert shaw a bit of an alcoholic i think we mentioned that earlier yeah um and he was just kind of fucking lit through all the takes and it was awful and like that night he went home and was so pissed at himself and he called Spielberg and he's like, give me one more chance. We're going to, we'll do it in the morning. Just give me one more shot. And then he did, he like did it in one take. Like that's like the next day, one take done. Yeah. Amazing. That's how an actor does it. You get over your addiction issues and you put in the work after your addiction issues have interfered with your work. That's what makes a good story. Don't just do it right the first time. Overcome no. your personal demons. That's and, how you get accolades. And dive headlong back into those addictions at Don't. the cast party. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Uh, but yeah, he um, 
he 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 gives that that amazing monologue and i think what's so amazing about it is that if you if you really dissect it it's that he's um i don't think he's necessarily trying to impress anybody it's kind of almost like um maybe it's a little cathartic for him he probably doesn't talk about it very much but mm-hmm. you know the, the, here's the moment presenting itself and uh yeah it's 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 very affecting and you can tell that he feels um uh, it's probably him at his most vulnerable, I suppose, other than that, that scene later on when he decides to, to ask Hooper for Hooper's help, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's really great to see because this guy has just been, you know, cock and balls the whole time. And, and now he's, he's sharing something very personal and it's, it's just super effective. Yeah. It's so good. I love even the way just he like lets hooper know what it is where you know hooper's laughing and he just puts yeah. his hand on him and lets him know like i know as soon as i mention this this guy will know ev- like everything oh and it's just almost by saying like, this and he's he, I, I love that you brought, bring that up it's almost like he's trying to politely say like you're laughing now because you don't know what i'm gonna say <laughs> right but you're gonna feel like shit as jokes are over talking. homie like yeah like <laughs> I I'm protecting you. I'm saving you from yourself Just right. stop laughing now. Cause I'm going to tell you the saddest story in the world. Yeah. Um, no, it's so good though. And um, it's so good. And we had a, we had a friend nominated for a, a regional theater award not too long ago, but he was unable to make the ceremony. And he said, if he win, if he won, he wanted me to accept it. And he wanted me to read that as his acceptance speech. And he, <laughs> I mean, for him, thankfully did not win, but unthankfully i didn't get to do that <laughs> i would have loved that oh, would have been so great oh yeah um <laughs> but we we get um you know there are some nice things thrown in here these um the little elements of danger um this is something i think is pretty interesting obviously there's a, a killer shark out there and it's it's all over the place and it's 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 near them it's under them it's right by them it's hopping out of the water but we also get these nice little other elements of like mini danger where you know you see uh brody like trying to hustle down the side of the boat and his shoe slips off the edge and okay. you, you kind of like tense up for a second or there's a small fire that breaks out and i love how just passive quint is about uh what does he say just like put the fire uh, out chief chief put the fire out would you <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean he's so he's so passive about it but um and the, and the boat is breaking down and and all of these things and really at the end and this is something that uh, might not immediately jump out at you, but I think if you're, if people are being really honest with themselves at the very end of the film, it's not just the terror of the shark. It's pretty much equally as terrifying that the boat is sinking. Like when yeah. it gets really fucking scary when that boat is almost completely underwater. And yeah, part of that is because the shark's there, but it's also because you're out in the fucking ocean and your boat is sunk. Yeah. That's- well, and it's a lot of it's been due to the negligence and, uh, you know, obsession of its captain who pushed the boat too far. Like they could have easily defeated it. I hate to bring up infinity war again, but it's like, <laughs> it's like when Peter Quinn punches uh, Thanos right before they get the gauntlet off of him. Like, dude, like we're here, like relax for five seconds and the job can be done. But instead, you know, they have to make it personal and now our fucking boat's sinking and we're done for. Yeah. 
And, and it's, it's all put together so great. And then it, it is, if that wasn't enough, is if what Spielberg is doing isn't, isn't great enough. You I say Peter to- Quinn, Peter Quill. I'm sorry, Marvel heads out there. Peter Quill. <laughs> it's easily confused. We're wow. talking about Jaws here. Um, but uh, the, you want to talk about just like, you've already got some amazing craftsmanship filmmaking happening like you needed any other good luck on top of that, but the the actual underwater sh- live shark footage that's used in the movie, talk about a stroke of luck oh. that when they're filming that the the shark that they're filming does get caught in the cage and it's thrashing back and forth and trying to get it off. Like you couldn't fucking dream that that was going to happen. You could in your wildest dreams, you couldn't seriously hope that that might happen, but right. it just did. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they were not real excited at the time. Like oh, they sure. were panicking because <laughs> right. they had a, it was a, to scale it, they had a small cage and a, Peter Dinklish ish <laughs> diver in there. Right now, some of the other shots though, there were some other shots with a, uh, regular, a, uh, general sized person, slippery slope. God damn it. I'm going to get fucked. Uh, stuntman fan of the show. Dick Warlock. Yes. Dick Warlock was in jaws. Hardest working man in Hollywood. Yeah, he damn. played Matt Hooper. He's him and Richard Dreyfus both played Matt Hooper. Wow. Amazing. He's everywhere. Um, but yeah, so yeah, when they had the small cage uh, with a real shark, that was the only time that they shot a real shark and then it absolutely obliterated that cage. Yeah. So great though. Like it, it just adds a whole nother element there that, that it, it just makes it, re- I mean, that, that footage of it thrashing back and forth with that cage. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, um, you know, lots of other things happen. One of those things is that uh, Quint is eaten, uh, killed. And uh, boy, that death is something. I think what I like best about that death is two things. One of it is is literally the the seconds before it happens. It's when he's sliding down the boat that's now at an angle because the the shark has breached up onto the 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 boat and it's at an angle and he you know uh, uh Brody is hanging on to him but he just kind of slips away and then he's sliding down the well he's crushed by Matt Hooper's oxygen tanks his oh, fingers yeah. are yes and um and we see Quint sliding down and I don't know what it is but every time I see that scene I feel like I've f- been in that position before not sliding towards the open jaws of a of a great white shark but like i can i can internalize that sort of helpless like something is happening and i can't stop the momentum of it right you know like maybe it's happening like right now yeah and uh so that's amazing and of course then we get you know we had that little sort of uh uh, foreshadowing of when he mentions the high-pitched screaming of the guys on the Indianapolis when they'd get killed, and he's yeah. kind of now doing that same thing. But it's that real second chomp. Uh, that the teeth <laughs> clenched. <laughs> with the, when the... When the blood comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And you're like, well... PG, PG movie. <laughs> yeah. If you thought that it, maybe he had a chance of getting out of that situation, <laughs> those dreams are shattered at that yeah. point. Um, and then his lifeless body gets uh, finally mercilessly dragged into the water. So um, 
then uh, what I really enjoyed were um, now we're, we're uh, we've got Brody. We everybody can picture this as I say it. Brody's on the mast of the ship. It's it's sinking. He's got the gun. He's thrown the oxygen tank into the uh, the shark's mouth. One thing that I never caught until I watched it this time is that he's firing off those shots before he gets the one that really does it right. Uh-huh. So he's frustrated and he's firing that and he wants to hit that oxygen tank. And at one point I saw it in the closed caption. I never heard it before. He just goes. I, in frustration, he's just like, blow up. <laughs> like, yeah, he's <laughs> like talking to the oxygen tank. Blow up already. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> What's good. It's like he's got a plan. Like, this isn't some accidental thing. You know, he's like, aha. Yeah. I remember what they said earlier about these tanks and how explosive they were. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's another issue uh, with those tanks. Are they flammable like that? No. Like you wouldn't be inhaling that underwater. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. you know, no, that's it's true. just, yeah, it's just pressurized air essentially. So it's, but, was it, but no, but don't you, if you have a flame under oxygen. Yeah. But burn. that tank's not, you don't, you don't dive with a tank of oxygen. Like, Oh, like pure oxygen. Right. right yeah. yeah. Cause you pass out. Right. You would, yeah. You would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But either way, it's, it's certainly so, an explosive. Yeah. Ending. And it's, it's un it's an unplausible ending yet still better than the book ending. Cause I did read the book. I read the book in 1993. I was on vacation with my family. We were driving through the mountains and I was such a turd and I wanted nothing to do with it. So instead of like, enjoy the scenery, I just read a book and we had rented a house and they had jaws. And so I read jaws and uh, two, two things I took away. One, Ellen Brody has an affair with Matt Hooper. I'm glad that's not in the movie. That was yeah. really weird. Uh, I do remember being a teenager and the image of her splashing her vagina in perfume was sent me <laughs> off the charts. Loved it. Um, but also the way the shark dies at the end of the book, it's so it's killed Quint and it also kills Matt Hooper in the same fashion, but went and attacks him in the cage. Um, and then, so finally the boat is sinking Um Brody's the last one left and the shark is charging at him and he just kind of finally like puts up his arms and closes his eyes and waits for it to hit uh, and then nothing does and he kind of opens and there is the shark just kind of floating dead like in its last efforts to kill Martin Brody it just died of I mean they had shot the shark and you know stabbed it and done things to it but you know and that was just the last straw just in that last 50 feet that it was swimming it died and that's how the book ends yeah so bravo hollywood because that was a lot more fun yeah even though like the eternal pessimist in me when i was watching it this time and they're sort of paddling back to to shore i'm like there are other sharks in that water. <laughs> right, yeah, it's not now like there's blood everywhere. <laughs> right. You've already but, shown there are tiger sharks there, which are way more dangerous. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I'm I now let me ask you this. I'm I I don't know anyone else that's read red jaws. Um, aside from those two things that you mentioned that are obviously, like you said, way better, better handled or just even omitted in the movie. Just from quality of writing or just in overall experience of reading the book, do you think that Jaws is a good book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like the book a lot. Yeah. And you got the perspective of the shark while in reading it, right? Or am I confusing this with my the Jaws 4 novelization that I also read? 
or Cujo that's in the uh, in the vein written in the vein of Cujo. Uh, that's true. But, I don't but, think I read Cujo. So, but let me ask you this though: like, w- w- and and I know you read the book or yeah, read it a long time ago, but like that, does it have that opening scene with the girl getting killed? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so is like is the carnage Tim, i believe i the, said there were two things i took away from the book and i had listed them already but no go ahead but is, i don't know if is, i'm able to answer but is any part of the book like is it written in a sort of like scary like does it make you scared of what is it written is the carnage written in a way oh, yeah, that makes you a, feel yes yes oh, okay, you're supposed cool. to be afraid of the shark yeah so it is like a thriller novel yes like a oh okay okay yeah cool. it's not like steven spielberg was like i took this romance novel <laughs> About a young couple on an island. I, I just like the fact that you you were so like ornery about your family trip in the mountains that you chose to read about a novel in the ocean. Yeah. Like as far away from But I think it was also I really lobbied hard to go to the East Coast. Uh-huh. And I was not a fan of the movie really at this point. Like this, this was all just coincidental circumstance that, that happened. And I didn't even make that connection, but it is funny because I did lobby very hard to go to the East Coast. And I was like, no, we're going to Colorado. I'm like, fuck Colorado, get out of here. <laughs> that was the worst. I was the worst. I'll never be mad at my children because I, I deserve it. <laughs> but it was it was all leading up to this moment. So you could talk about it on the podcast. That's right. So, yeah, now let's nice talk about my favorite deleted scene from the movie. I don't know Ooh. if I've ever showed you this or if you've ever seen it. And it's a shame it's not in the movie. It's a Quint scene. And I get why it's not in the movie. It's not needed, but it's just a great it just shows what type of person Quint is. Really, all it is is a reference because, uh, as you mentioned earlier on his fishing line, He has literal piano wire on there. He goes to buy piano wire to catch sharks. So there's a scene where he goes to buy the piano wire, right? And while he's there, there's also a small child who's buying reeds for their clarinet. And so this kid's trying it out and he's trying to play like Ode to Joy on his clarinet. But like Quince just sitting behind him and like the first kind of like so Quint starts slowly like singing along with him and you can, but the kid's not looking at him, right? Like Quint's just behind him. So the kid's in the foreground and Quint's in the, in the background. And so as his kid's playing, you know, he's slowly like, and as the kid's more aware that's happening, he starts fucking up what he's playing. And every time he messes up, Quint just gets louder and louder. So by the end of this scene, the kid is like demoralized, not even playing. And Quint's like, (laughs) it is the best scene. It's so, I get why, you know, it's not necessary, but man, what a, just a Quint. It's fun to have that as a, you want more Quint? Here's a little good more Quint for you. Yes. Quint essentials. Yes. Quint essential. (laughs) Um, no, but that's cool. Like, I mean, if the guy wasn't a big enough asshole already, like it's just another serving of it right there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, I, I have, I have read about that scene. They, they kind of, you know what they did? They, in what I was reading, they compared it to Quince sort of overbearingness in a, in the store setting versus Brody's kind of like. Uh, bumblingness with the the sign stuff that he's gathering so kind of showing the difference of like the the two strengths or assuredness in in the area so yeah 
Um, oh yeah, I wonder when that would have been in the. I wonder if those are right next to each other. Probably not, but that but, is a good juxtaposition. Do you recommend Jaws the movie? <laughs> I do, I do. It's you know, it's one of those <sighs> movies where I I'm I'm worried that my personal love for it. Cause like, if I look at like an AFI top 100 and I'm like, Jaws is like 54 with the why, how, <laughs> why is it not even, t- I'm not going to be like, everyone should think it's the number one movie. How is it not in like the top 10? I don't, I don't get that. And well, I here's, think over time it will. Here's a question that, that I think goes right along with that. And this would be a wonderful topic for somebody to write in on. Um, and I promise that we will, I will hold Andrew back so that he doesn't uh, jump through your monitor and and choke you. But I'd be really thrilled and interested to know, are people still watching this movie? Are young people still watching this movie? Are 22 year olds, have they seen Jaws? Like, I know that it's on TV a lot. I get that. And I know that it's it's imagery is used. It's not like they haven't heard of it. I'm not questioning that. What I'm wondering is, have they seen the movie? And I, if anybody out there is, well, you, not that you have to be young to have not seen it, but I'm, I'd be curious to know if maybe it's just a movie that people don't watch anymore. Yeah, I'd be curious, too, because I mean, I, you know, I could say that I probably like it due to, you know, filmmakers that I liked while I was growing up referencing it, you know, like I think, um Kevin Smith was talking about it one time and then he eventually would you there are even like jaws bits in his movies like chasing Amy has a whole oral sex bit built around the scar comparisons like it's two guys <laughs> comparing the scars that they got during oral sex so you know but I think it was Kevin Smith talking about like you know what like jaws is actually like a good movie like I think for a while like while people yes enjoyed it and it was a blockbuster I think it was a while before people were like, actually, like, yes, we all have fun with Jaws. But if you actually step back, like really well made movie, like on the criteria of how we judge good movies, it really has all of the tenants. It's just also, you know, you can also mass market it. It appeals to everyone, which seems like it should detract from that. But it doesn't. No, I know what you mean. It should be a negative toward it. Right. And I've, I've even heard kind of along those same lines, there was a, there's a, uh, an author, she wrote a book. uh, I think it's called Jaws, um, but she, it's not the Jaws. It's just uh, her criticism. Her name is uh, Antonia Quirk. And she argues that Jaws doesn't have any special meaning. um, And that, that doesn't mean that it's a dumb film, but it is just a deliberate film for entertainment and that she makes the argument that something can still be a beautiful and respectable piece of art and not have to have so many underlying things that everybody, because it draws, it, it, it draws a lot of parallels all yeah. over the place. Now, I don't know if, it, I mean, I don't know if she's oversimplifying it or not, but, but I, getting to what you're saying. And I think she's actually kind of in her own way, making the same argument, which is, you know, you can call all of the lore around surrounding the movie jaws. You can, you can look at that as much as you want to, but it, it doesn't change the fact that it is a very, very well executed movie. Yeah. Um, despite and its a lot of it is on accident and that's another, like, yes, you could make an argument. Like maybe it's not the best because, 
the things on film are not what they intended, right? Like they, like they wanted to show the shark a lot more that Alex Kidner death was supposed to be like literally the shark coming up and he's in the jaws of the shark as it drags him down. Right. But because they couldn't get this shark to work because they'd never shot in the ocean before and saltwater is wreaking havoc on all their equipment. They can't. So they have to come up with these compromises. And, you know, now it becomes like a Hitchcock film where I'm not showing you what uh, you want to see. You know, you have to imagine it for half. You know, it's like psycho. Like you don't, you know, see the mom in action until halfway through that fucking movie. Like in this, you don't see the shark until you, you know, you catch better glimpses up until it literally pops out of the water. Yeah, you never get a here is the shark, you know, and then you watch like Jaws four and it's like the first kill is not you don't see the shark. But then it's just like the reveal is just a here it is swimming through the water like in no type of effective reveal or anything like that. So, yeah, no, it's true. And I I mean, whether, you know, it it got a lot of things right on accident. Right. And, but and you can't deny you can't then take it its status away because of that. Yeah. Cause there's yeah, there's still excellent choices being made. I think one of the the neater choices, uh, it's nice, it's a nice little trick. Um we, we talked a lot about uh the, the score of you know the John Williams score in in the movie. And yes, the Which won an Academy the, Award. We should, we didn't even mention that. You were you I were loving the sound, it won an Academy Award for sound. Yes. It won for best score and it won for editing. <laughs> yeah. And uh and it it's it's so good. I and and Spielberg has famously said that that 50% of Jaws' success is owed to the score of of the movie. What I really like though, they pull one little trick on you. Um, the music is used a lot to sort of um uh kind of lead you into you know Jaws coming at somebody like there he is, the dun dun dun. We yeah. all know that. But when we see him blast out of the water when Brody is chumming um, on the boat, there's no there's no musical note to to introduce that. Right. It's the first everything else that, that has to do with that shark coming into the presence of people has been sort of you know preceded by this music, letting yeah. us know. Ooh, he's Which coming. how you know the kids are pulling a prank because there's no music. When yeah. you see that fit that I also love that. Cause yes, it's uh, 4th of July. They've got shark spotters everywhere and just very subtly in a few shots, there is one where like this fake fin goes past some bathers, but there are a couple shots like on a boat. And if, you know, unless you've seen it a hundred times, like I have, cause it's like, you barely see this fin going through like this glare on the wall. Like it's even hard to see in the shot. Yeah. It's like, Oh, there's one. And then there's like two, just where you see the 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 fin but there's no music because it's just kids yeah yeah and and just i mean as far as like talking about like fun little uh tricks and bits here i've seen this movie not as not nearly as many times as, as you have i've seen it a lot though and i know what's coming when hooper goes down to inspect that boat that's been sunk and that jump scare absolutely like I audibly like ah, like freaked out with that face, that dead face comes in front of the porthole there. Yeah, it gets me every time. You want to hear something crazy? I don't think that part's effective at all. I've never understood that part. Really? Why, yeah. Oh, scared the shit out of me. I mean, it really did. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm glad to hear that. Every I'm time. Like, this feels like it's being overbuilt, but maybe not. 
And it's just, it's just some shrilly. I mean, it's, it is like we've talked about before the equation of a jump scare. It's, it's sudden movement with, uh, with noise, you know, yeah. with sound and, um, the head is gross. It is gross. Yeah. But that, yeah. And that's all it is. Just some like shrilly strings and the head comes in front of the porthole. Oh my God. It just got me so And bad. that head Ben Garner is based off of a guy they knew from the Island who they loosely based some Quint stuff. A lot of, characteristics yeah. of quint were based off of the real ben gardner who then they you know yeah he died yeah so does um, ben gardner's no. boat <laughs> did you what do you think of the sequel let's talk sequels real quick then we got to wrap it up i don't yeah, want to yeah. go two hours <laughs> i no one uh, wants to hear two hours well i i'm gonna say that um i feel like i think this is probably a pretty popular opinion that the shark movies in general let's talk about shark movies yeah. in general well, after that uh, we'll <laughs> keep going, keep going. Uh, and then we'll go on to the Titanic. And uh, so the um, the abyss, the second one is like uh, journeyman. It is uh, serviceable. It yeah, is, it I is like the second one is nothing wrong with it. It's I think you, it's still an enjoyable uh, watch. Um, it's obviously not the same caliber of the first one, but I, I don't hate the second one. Uh, the third one uh, uh, I I saw as a kid. That's probably the one that I'm most related to as far as going oh. to the theater and seeing it. Oh, um, so I remember peeking through the like they had the sl- the that little slit in the doors at the general cinema and try and but it being in 3D. So you couldn't see the picture anyway. And just being like, damn, man, my parents will take me to this. Well, I got ripped off myself and I was in the theater because I had my I think I've even told the story before. I had my 3D glasses on because uh, it was in 3D, of course. So I've got mine on and I went my my parents. We picked up one of my my friends. Um, you know, we were just little kids and he had his glasses and was eating his popcorn and stuff. And then he said, hey, you want to trade glasses? And I'm like, oh, sure. And I didn't realize that he had just butter popcorn Aww. fingered his lenses on his 3d glasses so i had to watch the rest of the movie with like these smeared up 3d glasses oh what so, a douche i'm gonna yeah, guess no. it didn't really detract <laughs> from it but yeah. I, I saw a funny story or a funny interview with um dennis quaid who plays michael brody in part three the brodies are all over these movies uh but he played michael brody so um uh the interviewer i think it was andy cohen he was asking him about he's like, Oh, a big rumor was a lot of eighties movies had like uh cocaine budgets, like kind of soft budgets within for cocaine for movies. And he's like, what, uh, what movie did you do that probably had the biggest cocaine budget? And he's like, Oh, jaws three. Definitely. And he's like, Oh really? He's like, yes, without a doubt. And he's like, like when you watch it now, can you, can you like, do you know which scenes? And he's like, um, yes, every frame. <laughs> Every time you see me in that movie, I am out of my mind. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jaws 3 is terrible. Jaws 4 is just... Uh, oh, it's silly. Yeah, you know, it's the just one a thing, sad thing. The biggest Great. thing people... But the, but the biggest thing that people hate about that movie or think is so silly is the fact that the shark follows them to the Bahamas. But right. what I think gets left out, if maybe it was you that told me this is that maybe it's in the novelization or something like that, but I think they bring in an element of like voodoo or something yes. like that. There's okay. a lot of voodoo in the novelization. Okay. Which... So they give it at least some magical, right? Reason. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. But like yeah, anything. it's a shark that's not, you know, never interacted with them before. Great. Michael Caine quote came out of, part four because i mean a he was in that movie uh 
and you know he thought it sucked. He missed getting to accept his Academy Award for Hannah and her sisters because he had to do reshoots for that piece of garbage. So he did not get to accept his first Academy Award. And the best quote is uh, someone asked him if he'd ever seen it. And he's like, uh, I have not seen Jaws 4. And from all I know, it is terrible. But I have seen the house that it paid for. And it is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best quote i'll give him that i'll give him that oh that's yeah, yeah that's a great anecdote there yeah yeah so oh, yeah, i love it th- those are kind of trashy um w- do you do you have any like other shark movies you like i, I think that's one that's come the closest that people like is uh i can't even think of the name of it now well Shit. Open water is, uh, I think, well done. Um, it, you know, some people might say, "How do you make a a, a shark movie uh, and and bring anything new to it?" I, I really liked Open Water because it seems so plausible. You know, these these people just get left behind on a scuba diving expedition, like a tourist thing. Yeah. It seems like it could happen, and um, so it's more like a water movie, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really affecting. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you, it, I, I, whether the whole movie is that great or not, I'm not going to say. But, man, did I not see it coming when Samuel L. Jackson gets it in Deep Blue Sea. See, that's another one. I saw that coming a mile away. Oh, really? In, people, in Deep Blue Sea. That is what I was trying to think yeah. of. But, yeah, people, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've seen enough, like, monologues. Like, you know when something bad is going to happen. I mean, it's a great kill. <laughs> Looking back, man, does it look corny as hell. But. Holy shit. Yeah, that's the most memorable thing out of that movie. That movie pissed me off as a shark lover. I can get past like we've made super shark smarts. That's fine. Super smart sharks. That's fine. But there's a part in that movie where like the shark is stuck in something and then it like swims backwards to get out of it. And they're like, oh, no, they've learned to swim backwards. It's like, no, like a shark physically. (laughs) That'd be like me, like learning how to fly with my arms like you i physically cannot do it there's nothing holding me back from doing like a knowledge barrier that's keeping me from doing that <laughs> so that's my that's my nitpick on and the meg is awful too which i read those books that's a a series of books there's like five meg books which i didn't even know nancy wow. and i read the first two first book's fine the second book is awesome the second meg book is chef's kiss amazing uh, but the movie, the Meg, man, what a disappointment. I was so excited for that movie. And so I think I down. started, I think I fell asleep to be honest. Oh, so bad. And the only, and the only thing that I, um, this, I have this weird quirky wordplay thing that I do with, uh, deep blue sea. Um, the idea of, uh, the, uh, what's the fan, uh, convention. Is it uh, C2E2? Yes. Um, so I was thinking of like a mashup costume and you would go to C2E2 as R2D2 in Deep Blue C2. <laughs> I mean, just say, have fun with that, you know? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, just some fun little wordplay. You're the best at those. But, <laughs> but um, no. Wait, the, the, what's the good one? The the Tutankhamen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. It's... um. I bet I have it on my phone. Oh, I'll I'll think of it for next time. It's um Oh god. <laughs> I don't Do think you I have, have it. it in, no, I thought I did. <laughs> that would have been great. No. 
Yeah, oh, I'll I'll remember it for next time. Yeah, the wrath or, or of Khan, I'll, or I'll wrath, the wrath of Khan Tantan Tutankhamun Khan dot com. Yeah, wrath of Khan Tantan Tutankhamun Khan dot com. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that how how's that for a uh, easy to remember email address? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, good times. Uh, okay. So you like Jaws? I like Jaws. People like should Jaws. see Jaws if they haven't seen it. Yeah. Check it out. All right. I guess we've talked enough about Jaws so far. <laughs> uh, that was Jaws from 1975. Uh, please join us next week when uh, we go underground from 2005. We're doing the descent. Yeah. I've, I've only seen it once. Me too. But that was enough. Like it and was I liked it. it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Uh, way better than I thought it was going to be. And a lot more than I thought it was going to be. So I'm excited to revisit it. Uh, please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Send us an email at slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I, I keep forgetting to say this, but please like, um, if you can just take a second and go to where you find us and like uh, write a review, like go to your Apple podcasts and write a review or just throw us some stars or something. Uh, we're actually, you know, now it's been a year. We're actually trying to like push the show a little bit. So that, that's a great way to help. You know, algorithms are working their magic. Um, a huge uh, thanks to our patrons. You help make the show possible, and we appreciate your support. Uh, so did I do the whole spiel? Yeah, I did. Tim, do you have anything else to say about Jaws? You know, just one more thing. Um, I, I, I think it's an interesting choice, but I really want that pink shirt that Hooper wears. Uh, when they're on the orca, it's like a, it's like a Henley, like a kind of skin tight pink shirt. Yeah. It's pink, isn't it? Uh, possibly. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I can't even really think of what shirt you're talking about. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's another reason to watch yeah, it again. I've I'm, seen I'm so sure much of this movie. I'm way into how's the corner reacting, not, you know, what, what's <laughs> the shirt super wearing anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, Happy birthday for fuck's sake. Oh, thanks, Tim. All right. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way. Happy birthday. I'm glad that we, uh, I have no idea what we're going to cover for my birthday, but that's not for a couple of months. So we don't have to worry about it, but we'll no. come up with something. Yeah. Cool. We already this, did your favorite movie for your birthday. Yeah. So yeah, this was, I might, uh, maybe I'll do something crazy and pull a little, uh, get a little extra out of it and we'll do grindhouse Ooh. in its totality. <laughs> that might for be for one whole episode. Two movies like treat Grindhouse it's, as it, a movie. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm down. Sounds kind of fun. That sounds fun. But uh, but until then, it's all about you, and it's it's your birthday, and I I wish you, and I'm I am 100 percent confident that this year for you is going to be better than the last. It's certainly. gonna be great. So, 2021. It's rocking. It's rocking. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you later in 2021 next year, Tim. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.